Flo here with a word that's just weird. Terry cloth. Who exactly is Terry? And why does he get his own fabric? Did he journey below SPF 50? Fight off some weeds and his daffodils? Hmm. How about a word for everyone? Flotection. Yeah, I just made it up. But I'm not making up how great it feels when me and Progressive protect your new home. Ever think of that, Terry? No. Terry only thinks of himself. Save an average of 17% on car insurance when you bundle home and auto through Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. What up, podcast people? It's the one and only legend of winning, a.k.a. Low. And we back. Back again. Head ass. Back with an off-top podcast. Better known as Wiggins is MVP? Let me chill. Let me chill. Let me chill. <laughs> let me chill. Wiggins ice in the game? Let me chill. Let me chill. Thank y'all for watching us. Actually, this is the the last podcast for the uh, end of the regular season. Uh, so I, I thank you for all the support. I'm pretty sure Agent does as well, and we will continue to give you that high quality podcast podcasting. I guess. Damn, you in just the never introduced well. me, bro. That's, that's but what's um, up, man. no, I'm gonna just keep. I'm gonna keep it moving. Yo, Agent, say what's up, man. Say what's say what's up to the people. Hey, bro. man. Yo, I was uh, I was in a chat while it was going on. Everybody was just praying for a reason to hate on this guy Williams, man. He just went out there and hooped today, bro. Made me so happy. Uh, there been so much stuff that happened, man. We got to talk about uh, Andre Ingram. We got to talk about uh, the seeding. Portland's playing their final game right now to determine who. Honestly, Utah deserves it point blank just because of what they've been through. We'll talk about that as well. There's, like, there's so much going on, man. Uh, and I'm happy to talk about it because we were in the call yesterday. And then you said, whoa, 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 wait till the podcast. So we're here now. Yeah, that's a fact. We we about to pull a new move and do a podcast the day before the season ending, um, the season ending night. So that would have been ridiculous. We would have been sitting here talking about stuff that we would not have known the outcome of, and we easily could just wait another night. So that is true. But real quick, uh, so we can kind of get the little fluff piece out the way. Andre Ingram last night uh, had a, or at least for people who don't know, is this a fluff piece night. too? That's all this is, though. I'm not, I'm, I'm going to be pretty cynical with this, but in my opinion, it's, it's a fluff piece. Andre Ingram last night, um, was a 10 year veteran in the D League slash G League. Uh, he's been bouncing around the G League for quite some time now, trying to find his footing in the NBA at age 32, finally got caught up what by the uh, Los Angeles Lakers in their, uh, second to last game of the season, got the opportunity and he balled out. All credit goes to him. He was a really great story. Uh, got some quality minutes, went out there, sh- shoot, and had a really quick trigger finger. And it was, it was pretty nice. So he's out here balling. Um, what, what do you think is going to come about? I don't know. To me, it's just, I don't know. To me, it's a fluff. I don't even really want to talk about it. It's a fluff piece, man. It's, you know, that's no, all it is to it's me. A, it's a happy story, man. It's a happy First story. First of all, I, I've been thinking for the longest, though. You know, when you green a shot in 2K and they do those weird animations? I'm like, who does that? I never met a person who who acts like that. Who does that after a shot? And we found the guy. It's Andre Ingram. Just his his follow through after his release is everything you see when you shoot a perfect release on 2K. It was hilarious. First of all, Lo, I didn't even know there were 10 year vets in the D League. I just thought you give it a few years, and if the NBA is not messing with you, you go abroad and you get paid, and you get paid a lot more in a Chinese league, Euro league, Turkish league. And you could go to a lot of different leagues that'll pay you more than the D League will pay you. The only real reason you want to stay in the D-League is if you want to keep your NBA dreams alive because if you go to a different league, you have to be like MVP for four seasons straight to even be considered 
to be a part of the NBA because they don't have scouts around there, but they do have scouts in the D League moving players back and forth all the time. He's an interesting player, though. I don't. I actually haven't seen him play until this moment, so I don't. I can't even like give you context as to. That's what I'm about to say. That's the reason why it's a fluff piece. It's not like it's um. Man, and on the left wing, he really be killing them statistically speaking. Like no one, I don't, I don't know. I'm not even gonna sit here and act like I know his game enough for me to really comment on it. But like you said, and like everybody else is saying, it's just a really great story. I will say this though: two things that I come away from this story. One, I don't understand why, and this is just, I, I know, I guess maybe because they're veterans in the NBA and maybe they have experience, or maybe they just understand the locker room presence, but. I don't understand why there's so many teams that consistently give the same NBA players opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, and yet a player such as uh, my man Andrew In- Andrew Ingram. What? Is, uh, Come on, bro. We got to give you the first L of the podcast. What did you say? I said I said Andre, man, Andre Ingram. I did say I did say Andrew, but Andre Ingram. Who's been playing in the D League for a decade and never got called Jesus. up. And for whatever reason, we just keep giving the same four, five, ten players opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. This is not me hating on Derrick Rose, but I feel like there's so many players that could have received that roster spot that Derrick Rose has been receiving over the last year and a half now. And for whatever reason, we just keep giving it to Derrick Rose. That's That doesn't make any sense to me. And, and the same thing can go for not just Ingram, but also Quinn Cook. Quinn Cook kind of rose out of nowhere, played for the Golden State Warriors, and he has been bouncing around the league, and he's been in and out. He's been called up a few times, but I just don't understand how there are certain teams that are able to find these really talented players, either overseas or in the G League, and yet for whatever reason, some of the poorly managed organizations keep giving the same players the same opportunities, knowing that they're yeah. more than likely not going to work out. That's I guess Brandon me, that's Jennings crazy. is another one of those examples. Every time he comes back into the league, his statistically, he's not performing well. He might be well-liked by players. He's an exciting player to watch, I would say, but another one of those players. Well, it's, 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 uh, I, I brought this up to Lowe last night on Skype. Uh, if you guys remember, Utah Jazz had a point guard that came out of nowhere. Uh, he came up from the D-League, I believe, Sandiana Gaines, and he hit this game winner on his first game back, if I'm not mistaken. This is straight memory. I haven't looked into this in a minute. It was on the Cavs, and, right? No, he was on the Jazz. No, no, I mean that game winner when he was playing with the Jazz. I, I don't remember who he was playing. I don't know. But I do remember that it was insane. And then from that moment on, I think maybe that was probably the biggest or one of the biggest moments at that time. Because keep in mind, low at that time, a lot of people didn't even think the D-League was relevant, right? Yeah. Uh, it's only the last three, four, five years where teams are beginning to all adopt G-League teams because they realize that being able to send players back and forth to a neighborhood that's right by your dome is super valuable. You, you can let them progress and get the minutes in the G-League. Bring them up, move them down as many times as you'd like. That is invaluable right there. And it's only recently people started to recognize that. So back in those days when a player like Sandiana Games came out of nowhere and because of injury he got an opportunity and then he wasn't supposed to get the shot but he did get the shot and he made it is there was an explosion there. Uh, there's, you know, you could just look at in the D League, well, now they call them the G League, does a fantastic job of, if you go to their website, they'll actually show you all of the NBA players that played for the G League. And if you follow them on Twitter, they'll often shout out their alumni. So Andre Ingram, of course, is now the most relevant example, but there's plenty of players, and I believe the number was like around half the players in the NBA 
played at least one game in the G League. And well, some of them have played an extended period of time in the G League. So, well, I'll say, uh, I'll I, say this. You, you pointed out earlier, and that's the second thing I wanted to point out about this story, is that with the NBA and Adam Silver, and this is me just really reading too much into it, and I understand, but it's, it's a very interesting plot line that I think many people may be overlooking too casually. With the NBA being very aggressive, at, le- at least in the past five to six months, because they basically come out and said that their relationship with college-level basketball may not be the same moving forward, they have to find another avenue to prep players for the NBA. And for a while now, like you said, back when games came into the NBA, it wasn't, you know, the D-League the, the at the time wasn't this high commodity league where you had players who could go in and out and now more teams are starting to utilize it to their advantage. And when, when it comes to Ingram, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying he didn't deserve it. However, it doesn't do the G League any justice if they have someone who's been in a G League for 10 years and he never gets called up. It it's just doesn't, it, it doesn't, it doesn't do it justice because it kind of defeats the purpose. Because if he's able to be there 10 years, and at least from what I've researched, almost the last three to four years, he has led that league in three point percentage. Mm-hmm. There's no rhyme or reason why he could never translate. So it actually did them, it did more harm than good for him to just stay in the G League every single year and never make any progressions to ever get called up to an NBA team and play an NBA game. So I think that was probably another huge reason why that I'm not saying that they forced the the Lakers to do so, but it would make sense for someone to kind of pull magic aside or someone in the organization say, okay, we need to give him an opportunity because it's hurting us more than it's helping us because we don't need to have players just sitting there 10 years and never get an opportunity to play in the NBA because it kind of just defeats the purpose. Yeah, uh, but keep this in mind. If, if you're a scout playing for an NBA team, a lot of the time it's not even necessarily your dream to be a scout. Just like Masai Ujiri and plenty of general managers and executives of the past, they work their way up using roles like being a scout. And so if you're a scout and you take a bet and you give this information on a player that doesn't pan out, and you take a risk on a player like Andre Ingram, chances are it won't pan out. I feel like it's still worth taking the risk, but if if the scouts themselves are only focused on career growth, it, it would make sense to just focus on the college-level talent because that's safe, right? You give the general manager and the executives making the decision all the info they'll need to help make the decision, but at the end of the day... Like, when you recommend a player like Andre Ingram or some of these guys in the G League who prove they can hoop but aren't getting a real chance to prove it in the NBA, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like, a, I guess, maybe a conflict of interest there. But I hope I see, more teams I, I dig see, deep. I see what you're saying, and I, and I agree. It's, it's just a safer way to bring players on the team to go through the college level or maybe even go after a veteran. Like we're saying, why are the same veterans keep getting opportunities even though we know they've already plateaued as individuals? And I get that point, but I think I think you're now going to have to just utilize the the G League because they're putting money into the G League, they're expanding it, and so it's it's, it's going to be a tool that you have to utilize. And I just I don't know, it, it was just weird to me. Ten years that's that's a long time. Ten years is a very very long time for you to be yeah. in that league and never make any step. And he's but, and I've seen interviews where he thought about going overseas, but ten years yeah, is a course, long time. Yeah. 
I mean, you can't be in the G League for 10 years and not once ever thought about trying something different. Yo, low, like, he, the G League players do not get paid a lot. Like, they do not. At all. You know, and keep in mind, once they hit like 36, like, as an NBA player, you're ready to retire. And so if you, like, Andre Ingram spent 10 years, that's about half of your career and the majority of your prime in the G League. Otherwise, you you could have spent that time in other leagues making more money. Is what are you going to do after you retire? Because you can't be a basketball player forever. And so that's part of the reason why a lot of players only ever give the G League, like, because it doesn't get too much viewership. Only reason you want to be there is because it has the highest probability of you getting a shot at the NBA. So, for example, the when the Raptors uh, scouted and drafted Jonas Valanciunas, he was the best player by far in Lithuania, right? But if Jonas Valanciunas was the fourth best center and he was working his way, he wouldn't have even been looked at. So if you're not that guy at the very top of your league, then you don't even stand a chance unless you're in the G League. And he was on talking in interviews, and he said that he never gave up the NBA as a dream, which, by the way, I think is dope. Like, a lot of people, like, and I mean, do what's best for your career, but I'm, I'm happy that he did this. And I don't know if it worked out, because we'll never know until, I guess, next year, until a team picks him up or not. Because do the Lakers have... They're playing their last game right now, or yeah, they, they just signed him for the rest of the season, so he would have to okay, sign so another contract. Okay, so one more game against the Clippers tonight. Yeah, he would have to sign another contract, so it's not like it's a a multi season, though. Yeah. So anyway, who could? I hope it pans out for him. A lot of NBA players are showing support. I saw Isaiah Thomas tweet about it. I think Tobias Harris also tweeted about it. It was a whole bunch of guys, and they were basically saying like, "Yo, it, it panned out, right? Just just pray, believe in God, you know, just the regular stuff you'd see in NBA players." Hey, man, it panned out, but. Ten years, man. That's, that's a, a that's lot. A, that's a definition of dedication, right there, man. I, he has I, gray hair, low. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does have gray hair. You can tell he's been stressing about this shit for a long ass time. <laughs> and this man, yo, know, and you can you t- he on the team with a whole bunch of young players. This man Kuzma kept walking up to him like, "Yo, you nervous? Are you nervous?" And I'm like, "Calm <laughs> down." Like, I mean, Jesus, can he get a break for a second? But yeah, man, it's it's a great story though. Yeah, and, um, I'm I'll, happy. For I'll him. finish it off saying this: the bench made it a lot more just fun to watch. Because the whole, the whole, in, the whole team and the, and the crowd made it interesting because it was electrifying. Yeah, yeah that, that that was definitely cool. they they were really like they knew this was his like his coming out party and the fact that he was hooping. You could see Julius Randle just wilding out at the bench. It just made me so happy, man. I got I got goosebumps on the last play when he hit. The, they lost the game. It's the Houston Rockets. You know, you, not even Andre Ball can come back from. You know what they were dealing with in the fourth quarter, but anyway, shout out to him. I don't think it was just a fluff piece. I think it was a, like it's like it's, it's like it's like hope, low. It's hope to a lot of players that uh, that's what a don't... fluff piece is. But, but but when you say fluff, it's like you minimize it so it's only exclusively that. It's, I feel like it holds more significance just because these situations are rare. You can only pick up like a handful of, of situations where a player comes out the D league. Actually, this is pretty exclusive. I've never seen a case. That's what I'm saying. Like, this is this is so exclusive. Yeah, Yeah. that it would it would have to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how exclusive it is. All Um, right. Anyway, uh, well, we we got to talk about this. uh, Geez, that was an exciting game. Denver versus Timberwolves. The winner makes it to the playoffs. The loser is out of the playoffs. They're fighting for the eighth seed. So, of course, everybody tuned in. It was a very interesting game. and I noticed a lot of things in that game. And honestly, the Timberwolves are one of the more interesting teams to watch for me. Because no matter whether it's going great or it's going horribly, everyone has something to say. And so, uh, at first, Wiggins actually had a pretty efficient game. Carl Anthony Towns was going in, doing great. And, you know, first three quarters, Jimmy Butler wasn't doing all that. 
And then they gave the ball to Jimmy. A lot of ISO situations. He was turning up in the fourth. And Wiggins was basically just there with Hall of Fame corner specialists waiting for something to happen. Which uh, is the r- most ridiculous thing that they actually had the man. I think it was Barton. Barton should not have been guarding Wiggins. That made no, I mean, like, if Wiggins is going to start, Wiggins is going to have to beat me from, from three for me to, like, accept that loss. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm doubling Butler and Towns every time, and Wiggins is going to, he's going to have to make those threes. I, that, that part the thing didn't is, make any sense he was making them this time. So I, I actually didn't catch the first half because I was working on my video. But I don't know what happened, but I reckon, like, they maybe did try and do that, force Wiggins to make the shots. And it just didn't pan out. But more interestingly, though, I want to ask you, because all of Twitter is talking about this right now. What is going on with Thibodeau? So he made some a few questionable decisions. One, of course, he had players like Wiggins literally not touch the ball at any point in the fourth quarter, aside from that one assist that he got to Jeff Teague late in the fourth. But more interestingly, in overtime, he iced Wiggins. So Wiggins was about to get fouled, go to the free throw line. But he passed it off to, I believe, Jeff Teague. And so Thibodeau was angry that Jeff Teague wasn't going to the free throw line, even though they fouled Wiggins because he didn't trust Wiggins at the free throw line. And I'm just looking at myself like, yo, it doesn't matter what you say right now, Thibs. He's going to the free throw line. So the fact that he, you would even, like, he would glance at you and catch you even disputing that is a lack of trust. And I just thought that was like, yo, you can't be doing that to a player that you just gave max money to. And so Wiggins went out there. Luckily, he made both free throws and everybody was celebrating. But it was one of those decisions where I was like, he didn't even have to do that. Just just for his psyche. Like, he's coming off like a, a last few months where he's shooting shaky, inconsistent. He's having a good game. And you're you're out there contesting that you don't even want him at the line. I thought that was crazy. I think I think, I know, I think you're reading way too in, way too much into it. It come on. Jeff, Jeff I mean, I'm just saying Jeff Teague is just the better. Free throw. We shooter. know that. Like, if they wanted, like, they really should have got it to Jimmy Butler. He was the best free throw shooter there. But what do you? Nah, what, Butler, what Butler, Butler missed three, three very pivotal free throws. But they were still going to him at the end. They know he's. I mean, the best yeah, shooter. yeah. But I, I, it was there was some free throws that it, Butler was kind of suspect. But I, I, I just think you're you're reading way too much into that. It, it can't be reading into it, low. Like his, 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 he shoots, he shoots like sixty some percent from the from the um, f- um free throw line this year. I low. I understand percentages, bro, for sure, right? But you know he's going there anyway. What you say will not change the ruling that they make, and they they actually, actually consider going back to see who got who was fouled. But it was clearly Wiggins that they attacked. Where right? you know he passed the yeah. ball off, but they still fouled him. So I just thought that was interesting. Uh, I don't know. The, I just thought I just thought that was logic. Is if you're it's, if if I'm Tibbs, I would want my best. If I can if I can manipulate the refs to tell them, nah, Teague had the ball. Then I'm doing that because I'm in better hands with Teague shooting free throws than Wiggins. I mean, that's, so, I mean, that's just how I feel about that. So, okay, Wiggins is playing great throughout the game. It's the fourth quarter. Great, and the great, last, is a, great is a stretch, but continue. I mean, for the game specifically, I'm not talking okay. about the season. And even, even he's, he's game, being efficient. Okay. I'll use that word. He's being yeah, efficient. Okay. So in the last six minutes, you couldn't find him on the court, right? And a lot of it was even though Carl Anthony Towns was playing great that game. Thibs opted to go with Jimmy Butler a lot of the times. And they went into the post and used Carl Anthony Towns sometimes. But a lot of his buckets just came from, you know, two-man game down low or a couple putbacks that he got when a player missed a bucket or whatever the case is. I felt like, I don't know what it is about Thibs, man. And I just don't, even though they made the playoffs, I don't trust him as a coach anymore. 
And the more I watch Timberwolves games, I see some decisions he makes. And granted, it's his team. He can make whatever decision he wants. But it's very questionable when it doesn't pan out. And there's plenty of times where you look at it, and based on the games they've lost throughout the season, a lot of these decisions aren't panning out. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Because um, even they had an opportunity, I think, with like a, a second and a half or so to get a shot off. And I don't know what Thibodeau <laughs> play. I don't know what play he ran, but they basically just gave it to Jamal Crawford and yeah. he just chucked up a shot. And I was like, I don't know, I don't know how he got to that point play wise, but that's just a, a terrible play. That is a, that is a really, really bad play to call. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why he did that. So offensively, there's definitely some problems. However, down the stretch, when you have, especially when you're going up against a team like the Nuggets where they're just bad defensively, you just take advantage of your star athletes and, Butler and Towns are just more consistent scorers than anyone else on that roster. And on the other end, he really put a lot of, he put a lot of trust in, in Taj Gibson down the stretch. And there was definitely moments where Taj, Taj Gibson, um, stepped up, but there was, I mean, they really weren't even sending that much help on Jokic in the fourth and overtime. And that was, and it was really just Taj on him and Taj played great defensively as well. I want to really, um, give Taj, you know, his props, but the fact that he just no help at all, that was pretty ballsy, but. Yeah. On the offensive end, you just take advantage of who you have and, and you just gotta roll the dice and hope that it works, especially because star talent wise, they had more star talent on the Wolves and the Nuggets. So I, I, I don't mind that. It was just how to set those players up. It was definitely kind of difficult to see them try to struggle to get some type of offensive consistency. But down the stretch, what I saw was when they wanted to get Towns the ball, they would, um, pick and roll with Jeff Teague, switch. Hopefully that Jokic stepped on Teague and then threw the ball down to um, Towns while Harris or some, or some other guard was guarding Towns. And then on the other end, Butler would come down, pin downs on the uh, baseline, and then Gary Harris would be forced to guard him. And then Barton, for again, I don't know why he was doing this, but Barton was actually guarding Wiggins at the, from behind the arc. And so it was an ISO on the, on the wing with Gary Harris trying to guard Jimmy Butler. So... I don't mind that, but I just wish it was a little bit more complicated and sophisticated to get them open. But then again, it's the Nuggets, so it doesn't have to be that that difficult. Their defense wasn't great at all. There's plenty of times where, like, like I saw Carl Anthony Towns just blow by folks. Like, I was looking at Jamal Murray's defense sometimes, like, yo, like, I don't even know if these guys are trying to stop them. They, there was a point in the fourth quarter where they were just going back and forth. Both teams were like, yo, let's forget about defense and just drop these buckets. At the end of the day... Uh, I feel like the Nuggets shot themselves more than anything else. Uh, Jokic did everything he possibly could have to help him win that game. Uh, they missed Yo- a lot Jokic, of open Jokic threes. Did, Jokic didn't. He did little to nothing in the third, in the fourth quarter. Excuse me. Offensively, I don't. I actually wasn't looking at him defensively to tell you if he was getting beat or no, defensively. He, defensively, he was trash. And I, I mean, and I'm, but this I wasn't is expecting. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I wasn't expecting nothing much from him, but defensively, he was trash. But. In the fourth quarter, they they were looking kind of suspect. But also, like I said, in the fourth quarter, Jimmy Butler they were giving him the ball, but he wasn't he wasn't executing the way he needed to. He was there was a stretch where both teams were just not dropping buckets yeah. for like five and six minutes. Yeah. Yep. But uh, I guess it's, it comes down to whoever can close out. Overtime came up, and so it's you know it's you you it's do or die at this point. And the Timberwolves proved they can make it. And immediately, I hopped on Twitter. And I made the obvious statement that we should eliminate conferences. No doubt, I believe that Denver deserved to make the playoffs over Miami, the Bucks, and the Wizards. Uh, all three teams playing in an easier Eastern Conference. And I believe all three of them also have less wins 
than the Denver Nuggets. Um, it's I, I don't know. I guess a lot of people fought back with, but how about travel times? But how about they're on private jets and they're professional athletes? And a lot of these teams, especially in the Eastern Conference, are flying like 30 minutes, an hour to get to their destination because the Eastern Conference cities are so close to one another. It's like, let's stop pretending like an extra hour on a plane or an extra couple flights is going to make or break the CBA. All right, A lot of people just regurgitating shit they heard someone else say. Uh, it just makes me disappointed. I was watching the game, man, and I thought to myself, like, both teams deserve to make it, man. And the fact that Denver is eliminated, Minnesota made it, I'm just thinking about it like they would have easily made it in the East and it wouldn't have even been a problem. And if they had the Eastern Conference schedule and they got a chance to play more of these like teams in the East... I'm just thinking to and you know, and, and you know, so crazy. I, I'm happy you brought that part of the conversation up because I think people just believe that whole argument or conversation is based off of the top tier teams and how easy it may be for a team to get to the playoffs uh, compared to their Western counterparts. And even though that's part of the conversation, in my opinion, a bigger part of the conversation is as I've seen this be a consistent theme over the last decade is that you have certain teams in the Western Conference who have records that are better than their counterparts in the East, and yet there are players and teams in the East that consistently make the playoffs despite the fact that they shouldn't they despite the fact that they don't have one of the best sixteen records in the NBA. And so to me that is a bigger problem than, you know, LeBron skating by the Eastern Conference talent and getting to the finals because it's not compatible or it's not competent, excuse me talent in the east it's just the fact that like you said the nuggets a 46 win team if in the east would be the sixth seed and they're they'd yeah. be better than than miami milwaukee and washington and they would have grabbed or, or uh, secured their playoff berth two or three games ago yeah whereas yeah. in in the west you have to fight it all the way out but i will i will give the Eastern Conference credit for this. The Eastern Conference does have four 50-win teams in the East. And if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time that has happened since 1997 or 98, one of the two. It's been a while. I know that for a fact. So I will give the East credit where credit is due where the top teams have definitely executed this year, especially the Philadelphia 76ers and the Boston Celtics, that they've been able to bounce back from whatever struggles that many people thought they were going to have in the beginning but for the for the most part, it's still overwhelmingly clear that the Eastern Conference, especially some of its bottom tier teams that still are able to make the playoffs, that that just shouldn't happen. And yeah. we're at a point where it's just we we have way too many advantages for for anyone to make any excuse such as travel. That's that's it's, it's but, not a but but how about excuse. the travel? How are these players going to possibly deal with the travel? And, Even and, they're, they travel- and they're literally traveling every single day of the week. Throughout their entire careers, like that—that's what they do. That's—that's that's literally what they do. It's—it's it's weird that that—that's the default answer. It's so odd to me. But anyway, uh, I don't want to dive too deep into that because I can go on about that forever. What's up? It's Justin from the Driving Dish NBA podcast. When I was in eighth grade, I switched from wearing glasses to contacts because I liked playing the game of basketball. And ever since then, I've had to deal with getting contacts, which takes way too long. You have to sit in the waiting room for a really long time. It always kind of smells weird in there. That all changed when I found simplecontacts.com. You show them a picture of your prescription. You pick the brand of contacts that you use. You put in your address and they're on 
their way. And so much cheaper than going to a doctor every single time you need contacts. Took me about 15 minutes right before I left for work, and we're going to save you $30 off your first order with them at simplecontacts.com almighty. Or use the enter code almighty at checkout. That's $30 off your contacts at simplecontacts.com almighty, or enter the code almighty at checkout. Just remember, this isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. They only do a test that makes sure your contacts are going to give you 20-20 vision. They don't write completely new RXs or examine eye health. Uh, low, uh, some interesting business in the East, man. Of course, the Philadelphia 76ers went to make things interesting, went on a 16th streak to end the season. And they just, uh, who they played today? They absolutely obliterated. Was it a... Uh, it was a Bucks. The Bucks. Okay, I thought it was the Knicks. Okay, the Cavs played the Knicks. All right, and also the Knicks destroyed the Cavs. Uh, LeBron. Okay, here's what I want to say, though. The Cavs dropped to the fourth seat, and we talked about this on the last podcast. That switches things up because that means that the winner of Toronto and Washington now plays the winner of Cleveland and Indiana. But I also think that's interesting so, because so, so Toronto will play Cleveland in the second round. Yes. Okay, I'm so, just, just I'm gonna say, just say that the winner of the the Wizards. I mean, come on, we, know, we know the Wizards aren't winning. Yeah, here's what I, here's what I'm trying to say, man. I think the first round matchup is more interesting this way. I actually think Indiana poses a threat to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I don't care how much you think that like playoff Cavaliers are gonna turn up in this. Like, they haven't been able to figure it out all season. And they've had issues, and they've managed to go on their streaks and win their games, but they've also had their downfalls, right? And so we're looking at an Indiana team now who consistently has been winning games, even though when you look at the roster on paper, it doesn't look like they stand much of a chance going into the season. I'm interested in maybe this is, like, for me, the most exciting matchup first round is Cleveland and Indiana. And I obviously I hope Indiana upsets them because that's the best chance for the Toronto Raptors. But I do hope it's a close series. Uh, and it's, and we'll see. It's who's... not. It's not going to be though. I don't know why I, you think it's. it's that's not. That's not a good series. I think it's going to be a night. I, it's going to go six games. Low. I'm calling it right now. No, that that's that should be a sweep. Um, in favor of Cleveland. They're, they okay. they don't have. You're there's no one. That. There's no one in Indiana that could guard LeBron face to face, and they don't have any rim protection either. So LeBron is still going to be able to do what he needs to do, and we're talking about a team and a coach for that. No, matter. don't don't minimize it to individual matchups. That that throws. No, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Minim- I'm just saying. I mean, LeBron. He he obviously he's going to be a miss. He's going to be a matchup problem for anyone really. But when yeah. you have a team that that clearly just doesn't have anyone as an option to guard him and also prevent him from just getting to the lane whenever he wants to as a rim protector, then yeah, no, that I mean that that is a problem. But furthermore, this is still a team that has no playoff, uh, play, playoff experience with one another at all. So it's not like we're referring to a team that has some type of, um, some type of recent experience in the playoffs with one another and, and they understand how they want to play. I think that the Indiana Pacers, even though I, I love what they've done this year, they're definitely a great example of overachieving during the regular season. And when you get into the playoffs, and you don't have that player, especially a player that could guard LeBron to step up. That, I mean, that right there will be a big problem for them. And then on the other hand, you have the Cavs who, even though they've added a lot of new pieces at the end of the day, Kevin Love and LeBron will be more than enough to make it, you know, a fairly easy first round for them. And if it's not a sweep, I think five I games. Yeah. You're, you're pushing it with that, bro. Like, 
And 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 that goes with a lot of teams that Indiana played this year. All of that stuff you said applies. You, you, like but, they, trip, but, you're, but you're talking about a regular season, and I and I know it's cliche to say it, but this is a whole another ball game that we're talking about now. The the regular season and what they did is was great, great story. It was cute, but we're in a postseason now. This it's a totally different. It's totally different. Just totally different. I I don't I don't trust that the Cavaliers have figured things out. I think what's gonna happen and and maybe it's gonna be like a crutch that a lot of people might use, but I think it's gonna be like LeBron's gonna turn up. But I don't know if the rest of the team is gonna turn up. Low. This is a team that shoots a high volume of three point shots, and this year, unlike previous years, they're not hitting it with the same level of efficiency. And so, if you remember in previous years, low, we had players like Channing Fry and. Uh, just the series of role players, and you could date back to the Ray Allens or the Jeffersons, or uh, who's that guy that injures players all the time that comes off the bench? He was playing with them last year. You remember the guy? He tried to injure Kobe, Dante Jones. Uh, and like he always had those You're players that a can whole not- bunch of people who rarely get any PT, but okay, they do get PT. They Dante do get PT. Jones, Dante you Jones can jump to like the J.R. Smiths. I'm just saying, in previous years, they had three point efficiency, especially in the playoffs. And some of the players were breaking records, like shooting 60% from three. And they weren't even like shooting two threes a game or three threes a game. And so he's going to need his teammates to step up like that. A lot of what I've been noticing a lot from the Wizards is John Wall will try and do everything like drive, attack the hoop. And when he'll kick it to uh, Morris or he'll kick it to Beal or, and he's relying on folks that aren't him to hit the shot and they're not hitting the shot is what the Raptors had to deal with back when they had Patrick Patterson and uh, Damari Carroll at the three-point line consecutively breaking wide open shots. It's, it's not just LeBron. We, we recognize LeBron's going to step up. He's LeBron, right? Except when he's at the free throw line. Ah, had to throw him the jab. But... I'm hoping, like, can you're you're assuming the rest of the team is going to step up, and I don't I'm know not, if I'm they not, will. I'm not assuming. What I'm saying is that the Indiana Pacers are a team that that has so little playoff experience with one another that Kevin Love and LeBron are going to be enough for them to beat that team. That's what I'm saying. Kevin Love, surprisingly, I'm not going to lie, though. I didn't I didn't know how much of a difference him coming back was going to make till he came back. Uh, and he's making a very big difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, and, and also right. and also and also speaking about that as well, even though they've they've it's been toned down, they're still one of the better three point shooting teams in the NBA. Um, with the Cleveland Cavaliers, they're fifth right now, shooting thirty seven percent. Last year they were shooting thirty eight percent. And again, even though after the trade they've definitely slowed down, they're still one of the better three point shooting teams. I understand what you're saying. Uh, players like George Hill have to start making their shots, and George Hill has been up and down. You, you don't know what you're going to get out of Rodney Hood or um, Jordan Clarkson or Larry Nance coming off the bench because they're young players who have absolutely no playoff experience as well. But at the end of the day, we're still talking about LeBron James and, and Kevin Love. And, I mean, that, that, that should be enough for them to beat that team in four to five games. I think that should be more than enough. So, uh, I'll, I'll switch it up. Uh, there's a team that no one's been talking about at all. And it's the San Antonio Spurs. Low. This it's been absolute madness in the Western Conference. Hey, you going, you going back to... and forth from the east to the west? Jesus Christ, hey, man! This... It might as well, man. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on. We could have just Low. stayed in the east, but you got it. You no got one's it. talking about the Spurs, but they did drop down to the seventh seed. The in Spurs the Western will not Conference. make it past the first round, agent. I mean, this. So, not but no, but here's the thing, though, Low. And we we don't know. We're just gonna assume at this point. Kawhi is like in in the distance, right? Yeah, cool. State, yeah, yeah. Just just as for all my Spurs fans out there, 
He's not coming back this season. That 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 story is done. <laughs> we heard so much reports of him coming. Like we heard reports he can come back a month ago, then three weeks ago. Like, but anyway, besides the point, they're going up against a, a pretty injury ridden Golden State team. Even though that literally it's just really Curry that's going to be out. Uh, actually, no, they got a couple other guys out, role players on the team. But it's it's the fact that I don't think that team is at a hundred percent. Kevin Durant, of course, went down with an injury a month ago, uh, and then also Clay Thompson had that injury as well. And so this is a team that I'm hoping, and I'm sure they're hoping, can just do an easy sweep and get that rest so their players can, of course, uh, get back to 100%. I don't know how I feel about the Golden State Warriors this year, though. They feel less prepared, less ready to take on everybody. The Houston Rockets, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Utah Jazz. they, they, They come across as a team... That is going to the finals for what four? I know, I know they're five. going to the finals, but they just come off as less prepared than they did in previous and, and years. And if you if you go back to every team who has done the exact same thing that they're about to do, they come across just like that. Every so every you're single not, team. I'm, I'm so not, you're I'm not, not you're not pressed I'm not by concerned. Houston. I'm not concerned at all with the Golden State Warriors. If the Spurs were facing a team. Like the Pelicans in the first round, then I, I might say it's going to be a little bit more interesting just because I believe Popovich, he, he's such a brilliant mind that he might be able to outcoach, not maybe, he would, he would have just outcoached, uh, Alvin Gentry to the point where it might have made it interesting. But Steve Kerr is a quality coach. They still, they're still going to have, in my opinion, the top two players in that series. And when it comes to LaMarcus Aldridge, as long as you're able to contain him and force him to shoot twos, and as long as you're able to control the tempo and, and keep it up up tempo, then they should be fine. I don't really see how the Spurs would even make an argument for why they, they should win more than uh, just one game. I think they should win that series in five games. And it wouldn't be surprising to me if it was a sweep, like you said, just so they can get it done with it and get their rest that they desperately need. Yeah. Uh all right, I agree with you on that. I honestly like. I know Houston's on fire, and they're probably the most relevant team in the NBA. But uh, if I was a if I was a betting man, low, I would easily put my money on the Golden State Warriors. Uh, that myth that three teams that rely on the three point shot live or die by the three is officially out the window. Especially since I know like people see Curry and Clay and the Warriors, and they just assume all they do is shoot threes. They're phenomenal drivers, like really, really good around the hoop as well, which makes them such a double, triple threat, regardless of where they are on the floor. Well, I want to I ask you a question, man, because uh, uh, this discussion has been going on for a while now. I even, I even put out a couple tweets about it, and, and it's, not, it's not that simple. It's Ben Simmons versus Donovan Mitchell, and they've been going back and forth low. But an interesting argument a lot of people on Donovan, Donovan Mitchell's side are saying is that he's the best player on his team. But what if Rudy Gobert is? And, and a lot of people are forgetting the guy exists, which is crazy because his return basically in sync is the reason why this team has flown so high. And depending on whether they win tonight's game or not is why they get the third seed, if not the fourth seed. Uh, they've been going back and forth on Twitter. I'm sure you caught it. Uh, Donovan Mitchell finishes a game. He does the zipped mouth emoji with the shrug emoji. And then uh, who was it? Yeah, Donovan Mitchell pulled up with a sweater that had the definition of a rookie. He's basically claiming that uh, because of Ben Simmons last year that he doesn't technically qualify as a rookie, which also, I think, throws shots at Blake Griffin, which was interesting because he also responded. They were going about, back and forth. I was about to say, like, that. I don't know why people are acting like this is news. Like, we, this has happened before where 
a player has been, I guess, redshirted and we still gave them the rookie of the year. And it happened recently. I don't know why people are acting like this is like this new thing. And I understand the argument. However, I think, like, I think there's a better argument to be made for Donovan Mitchell. The fact that he was able to keep that team afloat as a rookie and switch roles in the middle of the season. And, but they and were, they were afloat when he wasn't there. They were well out of the playoff race. I mean, I granted he's they, a rookie. They, no, they, 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 weren't, they were not well out of the playoff race. They were in they the were. playoff. No, they were not. They were in the playoff race when Rudy Gobert came back. They were in the playoffs. And, Lo, I'm saying, what's, I understand what you're saying right now. But we talked about this on, I think it was three or four podcasts ago. Super clear. If you just check the date of Rudy Gobert's return, it, it coincided with that massive winning streak. And so I get that people are saying that Donovan Mitchell's that guy. But I think that Rudy Gobert is, and maybe it's going to be, and I'm low. Who, I might who, be who's with a, this one. Who, who's, a, who's a better player, Kevin Durant or Curry? That's tough. I think Kevin Durant's a Kevin, Kevin Durant is better. a better player. Because Kevin Durant's a better defender. Yeah, yeah Ke- Ke- Kevin Durant is the better player, but Curry's more important to that team because the way that the spacing I... operates. No, oh, yeah, 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 I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. The way that the spacing operates, the way that they function. So is that what you're saying? With it's the, jazz? the same thing with Rudy Gobert, with the Jazz. I think Donovan Mitchell, because of his offensive presence, his ball handling ability, his playmaking, is a better player with Rudy Gobert. However, yeah. the way that they function as as a as a team, as a unit, because his defense is so important to that team, Rudy Gobert ends up being the more important player. That doesn't mean Rudy Gobert is trash, people. I know people don't want to, I know people have a hard time hearing that. And even if you want to say that Rudy Gobert is a better player, I think that it's fairly close with one another. But yeah, it is. that, that team was, that team was fine without Rudy Gobert. They were going to be that, that team they was on pace they to fine. still be. They wouldn't no, have they, made the playoffs without him easily. Did you say they would not have? They would not have made the playoffs without Gobert. I mean, they, they were, they were a playoff team when he wasn't there. Not to say, not to say it was, it would have been a hundred percent. They would have kept it, but they definitely taken a whole nother step with him. And I mean, that's fairly obvious. And so in my opinion, that should be the argument that Donovan Mitchell should be utilizing. His argument needs to be in, in the middle of the season when Rudy Gobert was out. And even in the beginning, cause Rudy Gobert was in and out of the season, uh, in and out of the games in the beginning as well. I was able to lead this team as the best player on the roster. And that's not even a debate after Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, who's the better player for the rest of the team. I was able to lead this team, keep them afloat in a tougher Western Conference. And in a tougher Western Conference, we're going to finish, you know, two to three games below the Philadelphia 76ers. When Ben Simmons, he's not even the best player on his team. And his team talent-wise is better than Donovan Mitchell. So if we're just talking about impact and how much a, a team were heavily depended and relied on a player, it's easily Donovan Mitchell more than No, ben come on. Because you're using words that don't make sense. You just said easily. And I'm, I'm looking at these it numbers. Is, it is easily. They, I'm, not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that the Sixers would have been a 52-win team without Ben Simmons, but they would have been a playoff team if Joel Embiid was there, Dario Saric, J.J. Redick, that team would have been, I'm not saying they would have been the same team, but that team, you're telling me, you're basically saying that they would have been a 42-win team if just because Ben Simmons wasn't there. I mean, these are all hypotheticals. I mean, they're there's hypotheticals, no, but I don't I There's don't, no I don't, real don't way to put in numbers how impactful a play. They got some stats. They try and do it, but it never does it justice. I'm just, hey, whatever the debate is, here's, here's what Donovan Mitchell had to say, interestingly enough. Uh... 
Where do I find this shit at? What's someone when he when he said that? Uh, yeah. So he said, I'll put it in perspective for people who obviously don't play yeah, in the yeah, NBA and don't know the knife for the NBA. He said, let's say you have an exam on June first. You have a whole year to study for that exam. You're gonna get pretty good on it, aren't you? And I'm gonna skip to the end because this is the worst analogy of all time. He basically said he got a whole year to train after college. Like, and, and he didn't, he never got that opportunity. And so how could he be deemed a rookie when he had all this extra time? And I just got here, which I think is an interesting point that nobody ever brings up, you know, that because we never really put ourselves in the perspective of NBA players in our minds. We're like, he barely played. So he has to be a rookie, but it is like, and he brought up a good point. And, and I don't think the rule is changing anytime soon because it's been like that for so long now. But, uh, I, I put out an interesting tweet, though. I said that. MCW should donate his rookie of the year. And it, go, it goes without saying. I don't even know why they gave one out that year. They shouldn't have because there was no eligible person. Didn't Brogdon get it low? Didn't Brogdon get a rookie of the yeah, year? Brogdon. Yeah, Brogdon. So both those year. guys need to donate their trophies to the to whichever player here didn't get one because without a doubt, both of these players deserve one. And it's going to be or a real shame because... Just have Cole rookie of the years. That's not going to happen. I mean, it's happened before, but I mean, just do it. Is is very unlikely. Hey man, I, I think I mean, I I understand why why Donovan Mitchell should win it, and I also understand why Ben Simmons should win it. And I think I've said it before. Uh, ben who Simmons, got, who got double rookie of the years? What year was that? That was um Grant Hill and Jay Kidd. What year? You know yeah. what year that was? Uh, I think ninety five. God damn, <laughs> Jesus, that's a stacked rookie class. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure Iverson got rookie of the year in '96. Yeah, mm, I believe so. Yeah, that is crazy. Okay, yeah, interesting. Yeah, if, if there was any year to I guess give it back to back, I feel like you know, although they're, they're they're going pretty hard for it, I don't think they would mind like a, a co rookie of the year. And you know, they're memeing each other and going back and forth on social media. But you know what's uh, crazy? Iverson did not win the rookie of the year in '96. It was Damian Stoudemire. Are you playing with me? He averaged 19 points, 9 assists as a Toronto Raptor in his rookie I should know that as a Toronto Raptor fan, shouldn't I? You're fake. You're phony, Agent. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm a fake fan. I'm a fake fan. You're a fake fan, bro. That's crazy he won it because Kobe was in that class too. Interesting. You're a fake fan, Agent. You don't don't really watch basketball. Like I... I was born that year, man. I I, I wasn't watching basketball in the womb, my guy. No, 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 no. This is the reason why people hit me in my DMs. Fam, you just called it. You said Andrew Ingram a second ago, man. Yeah, I didn't hit you with the line just yet, man. Look, bro. I'm just telling We're you. We're 1-1. One, one. This, is, this, is, this is the reason why people tell fam, me, first man. of all, you agreed with me when I said, wasn't it Iverson? I thought about it. I was like, I think so. And then I, and then I did my you know, my. So don't even put, you had to Google the shit, bro. Don't start with that, man. Yo, 1% of people listening to this even knew that. They were like, Agent, did you know it was? Yeah, yeah. No, okay. but, that, but that's I, your team. But that's your team, though. That's your team. But I was. it's also the year I was born, man. Like, I wasn't watching basketball in the womb, my guy. That's your team. Ah, uh, whatever, man. Uh, Exactly, boy. Now, look, we 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 need to stay in the east or the west, man, because we we bouncing back and forth. People probably sitting at home. What's like, wrong? Bouncing back and forth. There's a lot know, going on. I don't, know, I don't know what's going on, man. All right, let's let's bounce back to the east, bro. I got a question for you. Luke. Oh my goodness! <laughs> the Philadelphia 76ers are on a uh, 16 game win streak, end of the season, bro. They're on fire, man. They had. And, one, they had if I'm not saying they had the easiest schedule in the NBA. All right, whatever. At okay, the, at, the, at the end of the season, when 
probably half of the teams really didn't care about winning or losing. Look, it, it's okay. impressive. It's, Lowe, it is just impressive. For stop, stop. All right, go ahead, go, man, go. They have a 16-game winning streak to end the season. A lot of people are starting to believe, Low, that the 76ers have a chance at this finals right here, man. What do you think about that? They have a, they have a better chance than the Raptors to get to the conference finals. I mean, because the Raptors are playing Cleveland. I'm talking about the finals. They don't have a, a good chance to the finals because, again, like the inexperience. I mean, not to say that it's impossible because they definitely have the pieces to compete. But you know, when you get when you, you're going to get to a point where, especially when you're playing someone like LeBron, where he's going to be able to manipulate the offense and the on the offense and defense. And when you're just a young team that has no playoff experience, how you react to that is um should be expected with with little to no knowledge of how how to react at all really i mean that's what that's what should be expected out of that team to just fold and consistently make mistakes in pivotal situations in the playoffs especially going up against lebron so i don't i don't see them making the finals either i don't i, I think at this point it's really just it's just cleveland and toronto i don't think there's any other team that's a shame bro i really wanted denver to be a part of this man but Kyrie went down I mean, not Denver. You uh, said Denver. Boston. The Boston. agent. This is I was looking at a photo why. of Denver, man. This cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it. But no, I, I it. wouldn't even... The crazy thing is, I don't even think the Boston Celtics had an opportunity to make it to the finals. I did. Even even with Kyrie healthy because their their lack of um their, their lack of experience as well. Because you got Jalen so, Brown wait, wait. and So Jason Kyrie's Taylor. injured now. You know, the more you watch their games, man, Terry Ozier is stepping up. But more interestingly enough, and although he's been fairly inconsistent, Jalen Brown's been like a, a scorer on that team. And I've, I've been watching some of these uh, games to end the season. And granted, they're pretty much solidified at that spot. And they were playing this and that team. Whatever you have to say. I don't think they're technically out of it yet, Low. I think well, they're, that the they're Boston... Not, they're, so- not, they're not out of it. But I, I don't see them making it past the second round. I will say this, though. A lot of people... And I just got off the phone, not off the phone, but I was in a Discord chat. And people are really starting to rethink Giannis and, and, he, and where he stands in the hierarchy of superstars or, or talented players in the NBA right now. There's just, there's absolutely no way that the Milwaukee Bucks should even be at the seventh. Nah, that might be right your now. circle, bro. Because the general public still thinks that, like, Giannis is that guy. And what oh, do you well, mean? I, 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 I like to, I like to, I, I like to associate myself with um, um, very intelligent and for, informed people. So See, I don't this, care. This what, is when I don't you sound condescending, Low. Stop going this I, route. I don't man. care what the general public says because <laughs> this, the general public Lowe tends is an to elitist, be man. Low, low. You know you're watching those futuristic the, shows. The general, the general public <laughs> tends to be years behind the thought process. Man, the, fact, the general like, public are the guys listening to the podcast, bro. Relax. And, and, and they're listening to me. To be informed about things that I they're see not. The they're, they're listening for the main character, which is me. You're just, and that's, you're just that's, a part they of listen, me. They're listening to you for you so you can make mistakes. But the, the general public, like, for example, the general <sighs> public right now is just catching on to the fact that Russell No, Westbrook they're not. I just his- put out a tweet, low, And the, I said Denver deserved to be there over Miami, Milwaukee, Washington. The number one response was, how dare you say Milwaukee? They're playing great. And I'm like, have you been watching this team play? They're not playing great no, at they're, all. They're definitely not playing great. No, no, what I'm, but that, that's the general public right here, right? What I'm saying is the, the, the Giannis thing. I, there's no way that a team featuring Giannis should get knocked out in the first round by a team that is, even though Brad Injured. Stevens is a great coach, <laughs> Tatum, Brown, Al Horford, that, that's not enough talent. Of course, the great Greg Monroe. The, 
Greg Monroe's not even on that team anymore. See, what you mean, bro? On the Bucks? No, I'm talking about the Celtics. Bro, I just seen him in the game the other day, bro. Stop playing with me, bro. He's right there, man. You making me double check shit now? Hey, go ahead, hand the L to Legend of Winning, man. I thought no, I thought, about- I, thought, I, thought, I thought you said the Bucks. I was like, God, I'm like, I just seen him in the game, bro. Where did he go? Like, I had to Google the shit to make sure I wasn't fucking like, what was I seeing that game? You know, I was just, you know how we used to call Al Horford the Great Al Horford. I think I have to change it to Greg Monroe because that guy is some cheeks. Al Horford's actually playing pretty well. Well, let's cut it out. Cut it out. Craig Monroe isn't cheeks. Let's. He's let's, very cheeks. Let's let's chill out. Let's chill out for a second. You're, you're kind of you're bugging right now. All right, go ahead. Whatever you're gonna say. Man. No, but I, I'm just saying like it, it just doesn't it just doesn't make any sense that Giannis, Chris Middleton, Jabari, and Jabari's playing fine. It's not like he he's still struggling to come back from an injury. Eric Bledsoe. That that team has too much talent for them to lose in the first round. Bro, That's what you I'm made saying. a video talking about the dis- most disappointing uh, teams or players or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and you blamed a coach that was gone half the season, bro, for the Bucks' issues. The whole point of firing kid was to help solve those issues. And so and, whatever and those... And those issues have not been solved yet, so there has so to be was, someone else to I'm, blame. But when... So I, I get that kid was the issue at one point, but is he no longer the issue. He might have been part of the issue, and he might have instilled... Whether it's values or practices or plays into their team that are still an issue now, but there's an issue that's bigger than Jason Kidd, and I think a lot of people. You're right, and and I don't know if it's a general public yet, but a couple guys are turning heads, looking like, hey, what's what's Giannis up to? Because this team is looking sus right now. The offense is weak, and for for the, I mean, of course, the spacing has always been an issue, and players like Chris Middleton aren't shooting like they've shot in previous years. Of course, Giannis part, can't really shoot a three re- ball. I want to say part of the reason why the spacing is bad is because of Giannis. It's more than just Giannis. Players like Brogdon didn't step up this year, and of course, dealing with injuries. Oh yeah, yeah, I, like I, agree, Maker, with you. I agree with like, you. Yep. So I, I think it's a collective. People like to point blame at a couple individuals. In this specific circumstance, let's point at the whole team, man, because there's a lot of guys responsible for the reason why the Bucks aren't playing. I think why, like, to the expectations a lot of people set for them to start the year. They got Giannis on the team. Come and, on, and man. All, and I agree with everything you're saying. That's the reason why if they cannot make it out the first round, that is a problem. A that, tragedy. that is a problem. It's not just Yeah, it's a tragedy. It's, it's especially when you're going up against a Boston Celtics team. That is missing two of their best players, and now between Al Horford, Tatum, and Brown, we're trying to make an argument if they're one of the better teams. If they're still one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference, there's just there's absolutely no way why they should lose that series. But for, you know what's crazy, Low? I actually think that Boston's going to win in in five games. And I was just about to say series. that too. But for yeah. whatever reason, I honestly believe Boston might win that series. <laughs> Who knows, man? I, I, you know, of course, you talked about playoff experience. The Bucks don't have too much of it, but I think last year was great experience against the Raptors. They put up a really good fight against a, a Raptors team that was just struggling to just get their feet underneath them. But like this year, they got to do more. Like, do you remember? Like, it's it's about taking steps when it comes to playoff experience. There's two ways you can get it. You can draft players or pick up. Pl- you can't draft players. You can pick up players like JJ Redick on the 76ers, who's been there, done that. Get that experience on the team. That'll help. Or you can go there and just experience for yourselves. Like, for example, like when the Raptors lost to the Wizards in 2014, then the next year they made it to the next round. The next year, Eastern Conference. It's about working your way up there so that the players are comfortable with playing 
under the bright lights because every time you you move on to the next and the next and the next it's going to be the first time for a lot of people and yo I don't care what you say lo I get nervous playing video games when $100 is on the line these guys have millions on the line they have contracts on the line they have a live stadium that's booing them at the free throw line or cheering for them when they hit the shots there's a lot of pressure man and you know, it, it's it's, it's a very d- difficult situation to handle. And just on a real side note, which is part of the reason why I was really praying that Wiggins didn't choke one of those two free throws. Because they would not have let him down if that team did not make the playoffs and he missed one of those free throws. And right. I, I would have been leading that pack. <laughs> I would have been leading it. Because I, I was definitely looking like, bro, this man Wiggins better not miss this free throw, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank, thankfully, he made them both, too. And, and I didn't I, know he I, was shooting that bad from the free throw line all year. That's like that's pretty sus. I'm not going to front, man. Yeah, ahead, it, man. It's, it's very it's very sus. But uh, again, I just I, I'm not I'm not even really trying to get on Giannis that much because I understand he's still a fairly young player and he still has a lot of growth and development. But I just for for us to put him in that conversation that I think many people want to, especially because of the talent, you you got to see wins to back that argument up. And, and this year was just too much of a disappointment for anyone to continue to make those those statements about Wiggins as a player because it's a lot of questions with Wiggins still. Well, give him, I, I think we give him like, if next year I mean, he's um, not Giannis, stepping Giannis, up, then... Giannis, excuse me, Giannis. Oh, I, I thought you were talking about Wiggins again. But Giannis, I think you're getting around to that point. Uh, but he's, he's stepped up. Like, unlike Wiggins, he's taken those steps to solidify himself as I, we could both agree a top 10 player, pushing it, but maybe not so much now a top 5 player in the NBA, just purely in terms of talent and ability alone. Uh, so you're asking him to make the next step. You know, you could make an argument on whether he's a superstar now, but you're asking him to not only develop a shot, but to now lead a team. And, you know, he's not even from the country. Like, he's just being introduced to the culture as of, like, three, four years ago. And so it's probably a lot of new stuff to him. Whether he could do it or not, I think, is going to determine whether the Bucks can rely on him to be that number one guy on a franchise player that can consecutively win championships. Because that's a difficult thing to do. Like, to be the number one player on a team that's always destined for championships, like LeBron did or like Kobe did or like Mike did, that's not easy, man. So, we'll see, Lo. We'll I, 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 I get it's not easy, but that's the reason why those players you just named are great players. Yeah, and that, that, that comes with the territory. And also, in the Eastern Conference, it's starting to get much tougher than it, than it once was. And so, there's not that much leeway for... We got to figure out. We got this year. We got another year to figure it out. And I mean, those those arguments and those debates are starting to be nullified. And I just don't know how much more I could really bank on this idea that Giannis will eventually turn the corner when I'm already seeing Ben Simmons and Embiid dominate the NBA at a very early stage of their career. So. Oh, I, I wouldn't hold everyone to Ben Simmons and Embiid standards, man. That's pretty tough, right there. Bro. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm holding them <laughs> to it. But what I'm saying is, there's obviously a very clear cut duo in the Eastern Conference that yeah. will see success in the near future. And then yeah. if you add on top of the fact that the Celtics are still who they who they potentially can be, both of those teams are are already ahead of where the Milwaukee Bucks are, and it's not like the Bucks. I mean, it's, it's not like the Bucks don't have the talent to be where they need to be to compete with those teams right now. And so it's just interesting to kind of see what the next step will be. But I think that the Bucks, I don't want to say it, but I, 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 I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if they get knocked out in the Go first round. Go ahead and say it. You said I, I, who, who? I think, I think, I think, in, I think that series could go down to seven games. 
And I think the Bucks will lose in seven games, man. To Boston? I know. I think the Bucks will. I think the Bucks will lose to the this, the Boston Celtics. I don't think it's going seven games. I think it's going to go quicker than that. Well, what do you what do you think? What do you, I mean? You I think it's going five games. I've, I don't know why, but I got a lot of faith in Boston. I've been. This well, so is you a think, team, so, but you still have Boston winning. I have easily, but I don't even think it's, I don't even oh. think it's going to be close, low. And and part of the reason is because you got a player like MCW, but because that offense is not as multifaceted. It's Brad Stevens in the helm, man. They got a lot of depth on that team and possibilities. They can mix and match lineups. They're going to find... And they and on top, they got those athletic players like Jason Tatum. If they need to, that they could put on a player like Giannis. And you can never really stop Giannis, but you can try and contain him, right? You know, when you're playing football, low, you're playing Madden, you put a QB spy there so Vic doesn't fuck around and sprints. And, you know, everything... Because you got to put a QB spy there all the time. You know, and I think they have that flexibility... But more importantly, I just think Boston is more versatile offensively. They've proved that for whatever reason, they're fucking fantastic at player development. They're great at scouting. So they pick up these players like Terry Rozier and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And like right when people think like, yo, is this player going to pan out? He proves to you like he could drop buckets. And keep in mind, low, Gordon Hayward is still out, right? Kyrie is still out. And so you have that depth developing and they come back next year. Oh, this is going to be a deadly team with Brad Stevens. But for this year, I don't know how the second round is going to go. Uh, they're probably going to be going up against oh, they, Philly. They're definitely not going to beat. Yeah, six, yeah. But for the first round, I don't even think it's I don't even think the Bucks should be a playoff team, to be honest. But uh, I hope they prove me wrong, man. I, I really want the Bucks to do well. Um, they're, they're an exciting. No, not exciting. They're an interesting team to watch. Speaking uh, of a team that really shouldn't be in the playoffs. You know, the Washington Wizards kind of suspect right now, bro. Not kind of. They are really suspect, low. <laughs> they're, they're pretty. I I don't know if they rushed John Wall out a little too quickly, but I don't. I don't. John Wall just isn't making that transition as smoothly as I think. No, a lot no, of no, 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 to. no, no, no. Let's not go ahead and blame John Wall, bro. I watched, I'm, not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not just blaming John Wall. I know that. Mar- you can go Mar- along, Martian, but I'm just Mar- saying. Mar- Martian Gortat, right? that, that man moves like he's 38 years old. Like, I don't. Martian Gortat coming off the pick and roll, it's just like. <laughs> it, it, John Wall has to, like, hold on to the ball for an extra three seconds before he can actually get into position to finish around the rim. Um, and that bench depth, my God. I, that, there's just no one that they can rely on repeatedly to come well, off you the look bench at, and give them anything. You look at Billy Donovan, and you say he might be one of the worst coaches in the NBA. No, 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 I said Billy Donovan. He, he is. is the worst. He is. Okay, okay. okay. He is let's, the worst I'm gonna say, let's get something clear now. Let's <laughs> okay, all right. Low, man, I'm, I'm I'm, getting to the point, bro, where I just had to look at Scott Brooks, man, and, and just think to myself, like, he might be up there in that category, man, because a lot of people had those questions when he was coaching OKC. He lost that position because they didn't get the results they were looking for. Now he's playing for the Wizards, man. And here's what I noticed because I went out of my way to watch this bum-ass team play some games, man, just to see what the issue was. And I I see a lot of John Wall, at least when he's on the court, trying to do a lot. And then he'll do a lot. Like he'll get to the rim and get fouled or he'll put up a shot, sometimes miss, sometimes hit. But more importantly, he'll create opportunities for teammates. And I'll be seeing him kick it to Markeith Morris and Mike Scott. And these guys, Kelly Oubre, just chucking up these bricks, man. And these are like, this is the opposite of Boston. Because Boston is a team that has a lot of depth. This team is so thin, bone dry when it comes to depth. You got a player like Bradley Beal, tag team with John Wall. And it just feels like, yo, they don't have anybody else. But when you look at their roster, though, you got players like Jody Meeks, who you remember was lighting it up for the Lakers back in the day. 
Like, why that was are like these five years ago, though. As I get that. Player. I get that. And he played for the Pistons, and now he's. But I'm saying, like, these players that once were, that are no longer are, with my horrible grammar, these players are just stuck on the roster, and they're not really doing much. And if I'm John Wall right now, I'm coming back and just you're trying to get the hang of things. You're thinking to yourself, like, are they going to go against the Raptors first round, right? Yep. Like, they know they're going to get destroyed. And, and if your name is John Wall, you're looking to management like, how on earth have you guys done such a horrible job of building around me? Now, granted, I think Otto Porter was surprisingly, like, really great. I, and I don't know about, I'm, I'm pushing it, but he's shooting over 50% from the floor. He's not a great three-point shooter, but I think he's a consistent offensive piece. Outside of that, low, and we're ignoring Bradley Beal and John Wall because they're the obvious ones. Yo, there's no one to help out, man. Zero. And I think I, I that's kind of sad. I would call Otto Porter a, a really good three-point shooter. I don't know about that. I mean, what, what, I thought he's shooting like in the high he's, 30s. No, he's shooting 34% this year. Otto Porter? Oh, no, no, no. I'm tripping. <laughs> he's shooting 44%. I was like, I was like, Jesus, you're always late now. I was trying to think to myself. I knew he was having but a he, he doesn't put up. Won. He doesn't put up too much a game, though. So He attempts four uh, a game. That's I mean when you compare him to three point shooters that shoot. 10 I mean that's games, that's a, that's the reason why I say I think games. that's why I say he's re- he's a really good. I, I know. Yeah, in, in today's standards, yeah, that that may not label him as great, but he's not a bad enough three yeah, point shooter for you to for you to like kind of hold him back. But yeah, like you he's said, shooting the, the, Carl Anthony Town numbers. He's all right. He's nice. You're fucking with Jesus Christ. <laughs> he's just shooting Carl Anthony Town numbers. Man. Yeah, you're ridiculous. The the rest of the team though is definitely suspect though. What happened, yo? And Mike I Scott I, I, used to play for Atlanta, right? And he used to light it up there, if I remember correctly. No, he and did not. What are you? Oh my god, you're bugging. You can make me double check, though. If I find out you're wrong again, man, light it up. Like, what are you saying? Light it up. Like, what? Well, he did play points? for Atlanta. No, he I played remember, for Atlanta. I know he I played for Atlanta. I remember a season but he where he just like, like he came at and and I don't mean like he was going crazy, but I mean like he was just doing his job so perfectly. And that's when I first heard of him. I remember. I think it was in that sixty-one season or how many? Uh, how many? Uh, it was. It was a season that the Hawks just went on like a phenomenal run. Remember that season? You're from Atlanta, bro. You know this stuff. I know who he is, but I, I wouldn't say he was lighting it up. No, but I just remember him being reliable, right? And I, I just, I don't. Know. I can't even. Anyway. I can't even say reliable. Like <laughs> reliable is not even a right adjective to describe. I think he, he was getting inconsistent minutes at the time. I don't think he was a proven player. But he's, I think he's a proven player now. He just—they have a lot of role players. I don't know if the problem is that they don't fit well together. I don't know if the problem is that they don't have enough talent. It might just be that Scott Brooks isn't a good coach. You got to be a disappointed Wizards fan if you're a Wizards fan, because you you had John Wall for how long now, and all you've gotten to like improve the team was Otto Porter and, and Bradley Beal. Like, and you you look around at some of these other teams that have done a phenomenal job of developing around their core. The Timberwolves drafted. Uh, Cronty Towns traded for Wiggins, and 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 now they got Jimmy Butler on the team, the glue who's clutching it out in these fourth quarters and overtimes. And then you just look back at the Wizards, you're like, how does this team still not have made any improvements? I don't know. They're one of those teams that just runs on the spot, man. Eighth seed this year, likely going to be a first round exit. I feel bad for him, bro. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of suspect, but at the same Very time, suspect. John Wall decided to stay there, so I can't. <laughs> I mean that was his decision. I mean he, he's getting the bag though. Like you can't you can't say no to the bag. He's getting the bag, but I mean if he really wanted to win, do what Kyrie did, and Kyrie left that team, and he and he would have gotten the bag too. But Kyrie knew. Kyrie knew demanded a, a trade though. That's that's different. I know, but he got he got the bag because 
he had that um your super max deal and the super max deal only it only applies to players who stayed on the team that they were drafted to and so Kyrie Irving gave put he no gave but up if a you sign of, the contract and then you demand a trade you still got the contract no but what I'm saying is Kyrie he he no longer qualified for the super max deal. Because oh yeah, he, once he lost yeah, yeah. his right, yeah, yeah. And so yeah, what I'm saying is, Kyrie left a lot of money on the table, knowing that he would not yeah. qualify for that deal. Chris Paul did the same. I guess it's just like where his priorities are. Yeah, like maybe he, maybe who cares, man? What if he just doesn't care about like maybe he cares, but he's not willing to throw away like forty, fifty million to go like to just have a chance, not a guaranteed opportunity, just a chance to win an NBA championship. And then you're relying on, of course, management and your teammates to step up for you. And then, like, honestly, low. this might be the right question to ask, and I, I know you probably agree with this. I don't even know if John Wall could be a number one player on a championship team. I, was, I think he might have to. I mean, I'm happy we finally got to that point because I was definitely like, I don't even know if he's good enough to lead a team. Yeah, yeah. Like, if John Wall's the number one player, I think he's like a 91 overall. You're telling me you can't have better than 91? Like, you got to have a top three, top five player on your team, especially if you're going for championships, man. But I don't. I think this year, and maybe it was the injuries, but there is definitely a, a huge lack of development with John Wall because the same problems that he had four years ago are basically the same. The same problems. Nah, he had not now. really though. I, I I disagree with that. I mean, I think, I, think, I think he's become a better playmaker and he's more conscious of of where his players are. But he's still an inconsistent shooter from mid and from behind the arc. He still turns the ball over at a ridiculous a rate. lot. Yeah. <laughs> And, and at certain times where, like you said, he just, he just overtakes the flow of the offense and people end up just sitting in the corner, just waiting on him with the pick and roll with him and Martian Gortat. So, I mean, and I, and I think those are things that happen and they, they continue to grow and he continues to understand his mistakes with the organization and the roster. But there is, in my opinion, there's a lack of development with John Wall. And, um, because, because of that, along with their lack of depth, and it seems as if they still haven't been able to find the right footing ever since he's been back. I th- I, th- I think they can get swept, man. I think against the Toronto Raptors, they they could easily get swept. I think that I think I, that series goes no more than five games. I agree with that. I remember when John Wall first got drafted, man. There's so much hype. He had that whole John Wall dance where he was flexing. John Wall. I don't even remember that, man. Everybody was doing that dance, and it was super cringy because, like, anyway. Besides the point. Uh, yeah, because yeah, let's let's I not miss, even go into let's not I go miss, down here. I miss the hype, man. I miss the hype behind John Wall. It seems like he's been on the Wizards for how long now? It's been like seven years, and he's just kind of I think stagnated as an individual. And I think that it's not even really his fault. Like he's doing, and maybe like the one thing he could do is shoot the three ball a little bit better. But aside from that, like a lot of it could just. Can you imagine if he had Clay Thompson at, instead of Bradley Beal? And yo, hello, just for a second, imagine. If you gave him a center like DeMarcus Cousins, like it's game. And I'm pretty sure they played together in Kentucky, if I'm not tripping. Like it will be game over. And he just hasn't had that opportunity to play with players. They just, they just really need a better center. They but, do. I mean, and, like, but also John Wall <laughs> has to develop. But Marshall Gortat. Nah, it's definitely like, I remember like uh, in 2014, I think it was 2014 or 15 when the Raptors played the Wizards in the playoffs. Uh, I was thinking to myself like, bro, I'd rather have Gortat than Jonas Valanciunas. And like now, I'm looking at that's, it. That's definitely nah. Good. Yeah, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> I'm that's, glad that's we don't good. have Gortat on the team, man. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Loki, to wrap up the East real quick. Um, we're not Miami, wrapping shit up, bro. We're jumping back and forth. No, we're, we're, this this is the last series. Miami, I think they're losing 
I think that's a five game series as well. Especially if if Embiid comes back, I don't I don't see how that team is is suited. Even to, if Embiid doesn't come back, I think it's going to be quick. Ah, uh, no, they need Embiid. They they will definitely need Embiid. However, I will say this about um Hassan Whiteside. Whiteside, unfortunately, I feel like he's just stuck in the wrong era, and his his ability to <laughs> to to um protect the rim is just not as valuable as it once was fifteen to twenty years ago, and because of that. And, and also, even though he's a really good rim protector and defensively, he definitely adds his value at that aspect. The pick and roll defense is just, it's, it's almost like it just doesn't exist. And so because of that, um, I understand his frustrations when he doesn't get playing time. However, you're now at a point where you're going to be guarding Embiid and Embiid is a big. And he's one of those bigs where if anybody in the Eastern Conference should be able to at least contain him, Hassan Whiteside, it should be you. And so, in my opinion, I think they should be entertaining the idea of trading Hassan Whiteside anyway. But if if they can't, or at least if he can't show up to contain Joel Embiid, because if anything, that's really the only reason why he's on that team is is for matchups like this, then then they they definitely need to start looking at the idea of trading him away especially with how much money he's making it's just it's just ridiculous that he's he's just not the same defensive minded player that I think many people hoped that he would have been and he's just stagnated and plateaued is just really just a rim protector and not giving that much effort on the pick and roll defense but this is this is the reason why you got to sound white side to defend Joel Embiid and if he's unable to do that I think they have a problem on their hand in, in the near future. And no, the real question is low whether he'll play in the fourth quarter or not. <laughs> he's not. But he's I, not I, think, even... I think he will because if Embiid is out there, you, you would, you would have to put him out there. They don't have anybody else on their roster that would stand a chance against guarding Joel Embiid. But in my opinion, even when it comes to defense, when it comes to Hassan Whiteside, he's really, I think he's, I don't, I think he's an overrated defender, but I still think he's a really good rim protector. But even in a low post. Would you say he's a pure rim protector? I think, yeah, I just think he is a rim protector and a rebounder. Because even in a low post, his low post defense is not that great. He get, they, I mean, people may believe it is because you match up with other players that are not great low post presence. They don't, they don't have great There's low no post presence. no good low presence. post players in the NBA. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So, but then when you match up with Joel Embiid, who can't take you on the block and who can't post you up, and you start drawing those fouls real quick, and he killing you running up and down the court, and you can't keep up because you're not in great shape. Those are things that are really going to be eye opening about Hassan Whiteside. And mm-hmm. if if he's unable to keep up and he's he's unable to defend Joel Embiid, then that completely defeats the purpose of having Hassan Whiteside on your team, and you would have to look at moving him. Yeah, I agree, man. Uh, but I don't know at this point how much value he has on the trade market. I, I reckon they've already shopped options at trade deadline to see what they can get for him. Uh, and they probably didn't like what they got back. So, I mean, that's, that goes, you know, with a lot of, there's only like a handful of players in the league that, and that, that are just on the, the, the blacklist. Like you don't even consider trading or putting on the block, but he's been on there, bro. And, you know, maybe they offer him like Corey Joseph in return or something. They're like, yeah, are you crazy? We don't want Corey Joseph on the team. Um, yeah, so the Eastern Conference is, I don't know how interesting it's going to be, to be honest. I'm just, I'm excited for that Cleveland, Indiana. And, and because I like to switch back and forth so much low, uh, the Utah Jazz actually look like they're going to lose. They're down 85-63 in the fourth quarter against, uh, 
the Portland Trailblazers. So it seems like the Trailblazers will take the third seed, unless, of course, Donovan Mitchell pulls the rabbit out of his ass. And uh, the Portland Portland takes third, Utah takes fourth, which will switch things up because Utah will be taking OKC in the first round. And no, Portland what? takes OKC in the first you round. All, you all Utah it. takes New Orleans. Portland takes OKC, Utah takes New Orleans. Uh, yeah, I want uh, predictions on both those real quick. Utah versus New Orleans. I'm not gonna lie. Okay, you said okay, New Orleans. Um, that's that will be interesting. I, I would probably actually, I would probably actually go. I'm um, New Orleans. I'm gonna go New really? Orleans. I'm gonna go New Orleans right. in six. I think that um, Anthony Davis. He is put in a very Whoa, rare. Situ- wait, 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 wait. Oh no, Lo, it gets interesting. What's that? I'm looking at the matchup right now. If Utah loses, that means Portland gets 49 wins. They bump up to third. But Utah is stuck at 48, which means Utah will have the same record as New Orleans and OKC. And I don't know who has a tiebreaker between all those teams. Oh, yeah, it is true. Huh. Okay. So it's not that simple after all. I like that. So that means that means Utah might not even get home court, which I feel like is what they've been working towards considering they've been on a tear over the last few months, that'd be a shame if they didn't get it, man. It'd be a shame. That would be oh, a shame man. if they don't get it. But I'm 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 hoping that's not when what ends up happening. Um, <laughs> they could drop to the sixth seed, but that's crazy, man. <laughs> oh, oh, so did, did the Spurs win tonight? Uh, no, they lost. I'm pretty sure. Well, it says they. Yeah, they lost to New Orleans. Damn, it was, it was a tough loss, too. 24 points. All right, so I'm trying to Jeez. get the... All right, so... No, San Antonio's out of it because they already have 47 wins. So they so, either so get if, bumped... So, so wait, let me, let me get something clear. If Minnesota wins, which they have, Pelicans win, which they have, Thunder w- won, they've done that, and then Portland wins, then the seeding will be like this. Portland will have the third seed. Um, The Oklahoma City Thunder will have the fourth seed. Fifth seed will be the Utah Jazz. Sixth seed will be the Pelicans. And seventh will be the Spurs with the eighth seed as the Minnesota Timberwolves. Hmm, interesting. So I don't know why on NBA.com they haven't ruled out Denver from the playoffs yet. They didn't put the little circle by their name. Maybe they just have to – you got to wait to update that shit. But. Yeah, probably so. But in, in our, our, so our third and sixth seed matchup will be the um, Portland Trailblazers and the New Orleans Pelicans. And okay, that's not as interesting as I thought it was. Yeah, be. not even close. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not as interesting as it was going to be. But I really I, wanted I, well, to see I still, Gobert I say this, though. and Anthony Davis, man. Damn yeah, that's it. that's really what I wanted to see. But I, I will say this though: I don't think that it's out of the realm of possibility for the Pelicans to win. I, I love the fact that the Pelicans have really taken their season by the horns and have been able to uh, so put corny. themselves in a oh situation. I know that was that was very corny, but I love the fact that they've been able to really control their destiny and not make excuses and go after what they believe is rightfully theirs. And they match up fairly well with the Portland Trailblazers, or at least in their favor, as Nurkic, uh, better rim protecting, I think people give him credit for, but I don't see him having any luck in guarding Anthony Davis. Rondo will be playoff Rondo, and playoff Rondo is an excellent defender. He uh. reads... I don't like that hey, you man. said that, man. I'm just saying, that's, 
Playoff Rondo, excellent defender. He reads the screens correctly. I don't think Dame. I think Dame will still go off. Nah, okay, I but gotta I think, stop you. Sorry, this but, is not. But Dame, well, I'm just saying, you gotta Dame, cut that out. Dame is a very, very uh, streaky shooter. So there's moments where he'll look great. Other moments, not so much so. And if they're heavily depending and relying on Dame and CJ to go off, as they're really only two consistent offensive threats, then I can easily see how bigger Drew Holiday and a Rondo could give them a little bit of problems. And because of that, I'm going to go with the Pelicans in seven, man. Ah, I hate, no. Come on, man. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the Pelicans in seven, man. Talk, talk me, talk me out of it, man. Talk, talk me out of it. I, there's no talking you out of it. I feel like you already decided. Uh, I mean, I said seven games, so it's not like I'm saying I'm all the way there with it, but seven games. It's, it's, it's your opinion, though. I can't talk you out of your opinion. I just know, I don't, if, if DeMarcus was still there, I, I don't even, it, it would be interesting for me. And then at that point, I would start to rail maybe seven games. We'll see which team takes it. Oh, but wait, he's, time he's on, not, time on. You think even if DeMarcus wasn't there, it would still go seven? Yeah, I do. Oh, you're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. I, I, that's, that's how I feel about the team. And I think they're, I think they're a great team. I just don't know how much can, you know, it was that one song, Power by Kanye. How could, how would one man to have all that? Like he just, he's, he this can't is, that do was the corn, that was the corniest transition you have ever had on this podcast. No, cause it's yet. immediately, it's immediately what like, what I, what flashed to my mind. Like he can't do everything. And, and like you're pretending like playoff Rondo from 2010 is gonna make a comeback. And oh, he's gonna be playoff, so fantastic. Playoff Rondo last year gave Isaiah Thomas problems until he got okay, hurt. Okay. And, and they probably would have won had it not been for injuries. True. But I don't know if we could expect that from, from Rondo this year. You know, he's been through left and right controversies, getting inconsistent minutes on the team. And of course, they've had to deal with injuries. This, so. this year, I don't know. You're ridiculous. This year, there, there has not been any inconsistent minutes. Maybe the position and the role that he plays on that team has gone up and down due to due to the um lack you know, of you know depth right forward position. What? Remind me of Doc Rivers. You just you just diving deep into the past to bringing back all the players no, that once I'm, were. I'm looking. I'm it, looking at what Rondo is doing right now. And all it's right, not like who knows? He's Maybe. But you're 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 hoping like if Anthony Davis has one off game, it's like it's done. The thing about teams but you like can Golden say the State, same, you can say thing about the um the the Trailblazers. If if Dame doesn't have a great night, if if Dame doesn't have four great nights, then they're not no, going to win. No, no, that's but no, you could. They have other scorers like McCollum. That's the thing, bro. I'm saying like with the with the New Orleans Pelicans, man. They have one guy, and and granted, Drew Holiday drops some buckets. I was about every to say Drew Holiday's been playing great this year. Yeah, he has been. He has shout out to Drew Holiday. And and occasionally they'll get guys coming off the bench. Out my guy Darius Miller just dropped. But come on, low. Like I don't think that. And Portland's been good for so long this season that I don't even know how you can't even. All right, whatever. They they they, they got off. To, I think the thing for you, low, is you might have a case of recency bias, bro. Because while the New Orleans Pelicans finished the season strong, Portland finished the season super weak. And I think that might be diluting your your uh your true opinions about both of these teams, man. Because I don't even, like, I think Portland might take that one in, like, five, six. Five might be pushing it, but at least six, man. I think, I mean, I, I'm just, all I'm saying is I think that if, if you can get 25 to 30 from Davis and 20 from Drew Holiday, I think that will counteract whatever you're going to get from 
um, CJ and Dame. I don't, I don't see how Dame and CJ are going to be able to put up 50 points amongst one another at the same efficiency than both, um, Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis, especially Davis as oh it's going to be God. more interior or more interior looks. And at uh, that point, all right. I mean, I mean, at, at that point, we're, at that point, we're just splitting hairs between the supporting cast. And that's the reason why I said, I said it's going to go to a game seven, but Nikola Mirotic has been looking fine uh, over the last few games. Etwan Moore has been looking really solid and consistent over the last few Jesus, weeks as well. The depth on that team. <laughs> these are these are as a side note. These are either I mean Miritich isn't a starter, but he plays starter minutes, so it's not like it's it's that yeah. crazy for me to yeah, say that. Yeah, yeah, and then you got Rondo, obviously, like you said, Darius Miller is going to be coming off the bench also. So it's I mean their their depth is I don't think it's as great as I think the both teams like depth though. Both of them do. Yeah, but both of them. Yeah, but I still don't think it's, it's as great as the Trailblazers. But I, regardless, I still, I still say seven. Though I got, I haven't missed seven. I still. Have I just seven. wish, I just wish the Jazz won. It would have made it for an interesting, more interesting round one. But anyway, I hope the Trailblazers move on, man. I'm, I just want Dame to see some. I want Dame to see some success in the playoffs. I think I he's want, only been past the first round once. I want to see both right? Dame and AD see some success, though. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm, I want to see first AD, time I'm... in the playoffs. What? When has Anthony Davis ever been in the playoffs? Oh my God, Agent! This is the reason why people tell me. No, I'm just asking. How many times have you been in the playoffs? Like two years ago, been? when they faced the um, Warriors in the first round. Oh, and they got yeah. Okay, I remember that. I was at a bowling alley watching that one. That was interesting. Uh, um, just to, also, also as a fact, side note, just in case people people who um were thinking about it, if they had played the Jazz, I would have still picked the Pelicans to beat the Jazz. You would have. Yeah. Even after like the last three months of play, I would have picked the Pelicans to beat the Jazz, man. I that I wholeheartedly disagree with you on that one for sure, for sure. Because <laughs> you got Anthony Davis, and and you can't expect him to go balling out four games against the Jazz, especially when they got probably I mean, that's a whole nother debate. But Defensive Player of the Year and Gobert on that team, man. The only reason Gobert wouldn't get Defensive Player of the Year is because he was out half the season. Aside from that, look, we, not half the season. Look, look, look. We gonna have that conversation soon, but I, I completely disagree. I'm just saying, like, as just context of part of this argument, I think that Anthony Davis is gonna have a really hard time being consistent with Gobert there with him. I think Donovan Mitchell is gonna have a really hard time being consistent because he's a rookie. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from Donovan Mitchell. Maybe he'll surprise us like he did this year and just go crazy. It would be, it would be dope if he came. I'm gonna tell you right now. And actually, as we move on to the um to the Utah Jazz series, I don't know. I don't think this is the the greatest thing in the world for um what what's the team called the um damn I'm bugging right now. Who they play? You can do Who it, man. I, say they play? I believe in you. I believe in you. Low. Oh. Who did Spit the Jazz? Out, man. Who did the Jazz play? I forgot, bro. Are you talking about who they played today? No, in the first round. This year, like in the playoffs coming up. Yeah, in the playoffs. What the hell? OKC. Okay, you just said it, man. Yeah, OKC. Okay, right? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna tell you right now. If OKC lose, this is probably right. a, a bad. This is probably a bad matchup for them because if they lose, and there's a possibility that they could lose, if OKC loses to the Utah Jazz, don't say it like that. No, no, no. Because I am. <laughs> if they lose to the 
if they lose in a first round to the Utah Jazz, because I thought about it for a second, they probably have been better off in the seventh or even eighth seed. Because if you lose to the Golden State Warriors or the Houston Rockets, you can at least say, hey, man, we, we lost to a team that possibly yeah. could have won a championship yeah. or will win a championship. If you lose to the Utah Jazz, I don't know, man. They will. That's they will. Be and tough. for plenty of reasons. Uh Whoa! And, okay, all right, take right, this me, in, Lowe. This is argument. a team how, we can hey, both wait, agree. Many, wait, 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 first, wait, 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 first, how many games? I think Utah will win in six. Go ahead and go. Yeah, listen, yourself, man. the team has been incredibly inconsistent. Even in the playoffs, Paul George has been inconsistent. Mello, we we need a new nickname for that guy, bro. He's no longer Mello. Mello. Mellow is what I remember in Trash. Denver, That's and even like a him. little bit in New York. All right, he's not that right there. What we're seeing in Oklahoma City, that is not the same Mellow that I know. All right, and now now you got Westbrook, who by the way is an incredibly inefficient player, going up against one of the strongest defenses in the NBA. If you think he's just gonna stroll in the paint and he's not gonna get swatted, he's gonna get those turnovers because every time he drives to the paint, he's not running up on Nurkic or Jonas Valanciunas. Let's go bear in the paint. He's gonna force some bad passes. I'm telling you that the strengths and the weaknesses of OKC compared to Utah is just it's not a good matchup whatsoever. And I'm really at the end of the day, it's just on Utah's ability to score uh, to score the basketball, right? If Donovan Mitchell, you said he's a rook, which which they which they will they will. So if to Utah can score consistently and drop like a hundred points a game, I think they will win the series, and it won't. Which I don't, I don't, I don't think they will. That that's the problem with Utah is I don't think they have enough. And I guess that would be the question mark. But I do know uh, for Oklahoma City, they're going to have a lot of trouble scoring on this team. And who knows? I think it'll be a good defensive uh, matchup with those two. We'll see. We'll see if Westbrook can pull it off, man. Look, man. In my opinion, six games in favor of the Jazz. Let me let me let me say this. Now the Jazz, they do not have home court advantage. Are you still going to give them the, That's, the series? They of have six? home court on the sixth game. That's disrespectful, agent. I mean, yo, y'all. It's funny because y'all think that I really hate Westbrook, but you're I don't. a huge fan, right? I think Westbrook. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Westbrook is a is a great enough player for them to win in five games. But that's the thing, though. We know Westbrook I, is great. I'm just saying, can you rely on Paul George and Melo and the rest of the cast to hit their shots over the course of a seven-game series? Because they, like, they're not going to have plenty of opportunities, right? Like They're not going up against a sus defensive. So I get that Westbrook is probably going to ball. He's going to create opportunities, and who knows how efficient he'll be. But I just don't know about the rest of the team, and that's why I can't choose Oklahoma. No, I'm picking OKC. I'm picking OKC. In, in, Yo, we'll in have to maybe on the next podcast. Sorry, I keep cutting you off. We'll have to do a thing where like we just choose like our own bracket, and uh, we might like put like fifty dollars on it or something. All right, bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm here's here's the thing with with OKC, man. I think that they should have enough talented pieces on their roster. And I'm really not even looking at Melo. It's really yeah, just yeah. Russ and PG. And there, and there's not really enough well-rounded defensive players on the perimeter for the Utah Jazz to stop them consistently. And so I feel like they should have just games where they are able to go off. Where on the other hand, I think the Utah Jazz are just not potent enough on the offensive end. And even, even on defensively for the, um, 
for the Thunder, they are a good enough team for them to be able to to beat that team on the defensive side as well. So if you're telling me that we're getting to a point where Russell Westbrook and PG can't even have at least four good nights, three to four good nights, and I don't even really think yeah, they only have to have four good nights. I think they can just have three good nights and have one really bad, <laughs> ugly fourth night, but still pull out a win. And I think that I think that could be good enough for the um for for them to move on in the series in, in that uh, in the round. But I I'll say this, man. If they lose, they can't they can't lose. Uh let me just say that. They cannot it. lose, man. You can you you cannot lose to the Utah Jazz in so the first low, round. So I have a I have a what you if just, you situation you for you, man. What if like what if we're just wrong and and playoff mellow pulls up? And Paul George is clamping like Donovan Mitchell can't even get a bucket no more. And Westbrook is out there running the meanest pick and roll with Steven Adams. Like, what if like the team that we've expected when it's playoff time, like we've seen them do against Golden State when it matters and when the games are emotional, like those guys are serious. What if that team that we've been waiting for all year just turns up in the playoffs? And I hope they do it. Definitely make it interesting in the uh, second round. Uh, well, I'll, I'll say this. It's, it's, it's a good thing that they are facing the Jazz because it should be outside of the Spurs. The Jazz probably are going to be the easiest round for them, or at least the easiest team to face in the first round for them. If they had faced Portland, I feel like they would have had some problems, especially tax. If they faced Portland, I think it would have been very taxing. I'd rather face anyone. You, I, you, you're wilding for that, Lowe. Jesus, man. <laughs> Let me. I'll, I'll, I'll explain. If you if you face Portland, it was been very taxing on your three key players: Stephen Adams, taxing? Russ, and PG. Because you would have to. You would also you had to play defense at an elite level to control CJ, Dame, and Nurkic. You couldn't just roam around and kind of just play uh, willy nilly on a defensive end. You would have to lock on them defensively, and then on the offensive end, still bring it consistently. And Nurkic is actually one of the better rim protectors in the league. And, and just talent-wise, they have, in my opinion, just more offensive talented play pieces than you have with the Utah Jazz, it's along with the fact that they've been around one another. And I think they're a deeper team as well. Maybe, maybe not deeper, but they, they have a bench. Then when it comes to um, the Golden State Warriors, that right there would have been a tough first round, as we all know as well. And again, if, if they had faced the Spurs, I don't think that would have been a big problem. But they can utilize this first round. What I'm trying to say is they can use this first round and utilize the momentum that they're going to gain from this first round to continue to push them into the second round and hopefully be able to to upset the Houston Rockets because that is who they will be matching up in the second round. And I I still feel like, in I mean, especially in the playoffs, History has just shown us that when you have talent on your team, talent tends to trump coaching and preparation because at some point you just can't defend talent. And they have talented pieces in Paul George, Russell Westbrook, Steven Adams, and in Carmelo Anthony. And like you said, though there are going to be nights where even though Melo has been struggling, he could easily have a night where he's going to give you 25, 30 points on, on very efficient shooting. And he's just not going to stop. He's just going to keep pouring it on. And so when you have that type of dynamic with that team, it's an interesting piece, but it, it still doesn't overlook the massive flaws they have throughout the entire season. But hopefully they'll be able to grow together as a unit and utilize this, this first round 
to best benefit them moving forward because I still feel like they should be more than enough talented. I feel like they should be more than enough and have talented pieces to compete with the Houston Rockets, even in the second round. So I, I hope everything works out, but you know, uh, that's all I gotta say for all my Russell Westbrook fans out there. That I think that think that I just you hate do. on him. You do. You're a huge hater, man. You're always. Hate. I don't. I think I still. I I think he's a great. I think I think Russell Westbrook and Paul George are a great enough duo where they still should be able to compete with the Houston Rockets. I still believe that. To this day, I believe that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's it's all speculation based on uh, assumptions that we're making, right? I hope. I hope it's going to be interesting series all throughout. I think we all do. Shout out to the Minnesota Timberwolves for winning the sweepstakes to get absolutely routed by the Houston Rockets first round. And and was not even going to be a close series, likely going to be a sweep. Uh, I'll tune in just to see how hard Harden goes. Actually, no, I think Harden will, like, choke one game. They, they Minnesota might win one game. I'm not going to lie. Okay, and we didn't really talk about this. Minnesota more likely should lose that game and like and lose that series excuse me like four or five games just because the defensive the lack of defense from Towns and Wiggins is will be abysmal and they will and they will pick on Towns and Wiggins throughout that entire series with James Harden ISOs yep. and, and all that other stuff so I, I'm 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 definitely expecting that so the whole Jimmy Butler factor him guarding um uh, him, him guarding James Harden. I don't really think that's going to be that big of an issue because they're just going to pick and roll, force a switch, and then Towns is going to be on an island with James Harden. What they're and likely going to end up doing is like trying so hard to avoid the switch that they'll leave players like Ryan Anderson yeah. open for a pop, and so he'll, yeah, it'll happen. Yeah. A lot. But I'll, I'll go as far as saying this on on the offensive end though, with some of the pieces that they have. There's not anyone on that perimeter that can guard Jimmy Butler. And inside, Clint Capella. But what about Trevor he's a Ariza? Really great protector. Do I sound no, like a Rockets no. fan? There's no one on that team. <laughs> yeah. there, there's no one on that team that, that, that can be able to guard him. And even Luke Bamute, he will be out for the first oh, round as well. That, so yeah. it's going to be an interesting series. Again, I still have the Rockets beating them in like five games. But it, it will be interesting. Yeah. Should be. All right, man. Uh, this podcast been going on for long enough. Lo, I'm uh, I'm gonna let you uh, give your highlight player, man, and then we'll get up out of here, bro. All right. Oh, wait, are you are you are you are we gonna give? I mean, we can cut this. We can cut this podcast into two different podcasts. We could you do to. that. I mean, but we had to like. It depends on what length you want to make it. What were you gonna say? You know, you know, because I, I mean, we still have our um end of the season awards. Yeah, we do. We do have that. Yeah. But I didn't. So you I didn't want to chop it up. Oh, you didn't. You didn't prepare, man. You didn't tell me we were doing end of the season. I, I, came I with, mean, it's the end of the season. Why should I, I have didn't to tell know you that, was that we're this doing podcast, man? Oh, wow. Why would I have to tell you we're doing end of the season awards on the last day of the season? Hey, hey, it's Flo. And you know what word I've never understood? Top hat. Aren't all hats on top? They're like the toppest part of every outfit, unless I've been doing it wrong. That's why I stick with simple words like flotection. It means the sense of security you'll feel when your new home is protected by home insurance through me and Progressive. Also, there shouldn't be a top hat unless there's a bottom hat. Wait, is that what underwear is? Save an average of 17% on car insurance when you bundle home and auto through Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations.